what, what is it about Vive that you know? What do you know about Vive? Because here I am thinking we're flying under the radar. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're out here in the Silicon Valley and we're growing. And uh, these are people from other parts of the country. And their answer shocked me because I was <laughs> honestly expecting they would say, uh, you know, just faith. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. It's, yeah, we're crazy, audacious. <laughs> um, the preaching's phenomenal, yeah. you know, something like that. Um, but that's not what they said. What they said was two people said exactly the same answer. That's what shocked me. They said it looks like a healthy church. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yep. And I thought, huh? Well, <laughs> kind of takes you off guard. What? Like, do I like right. that? And <laughs> and the preaching's awesome, right? No, but it's, <laughs> but as I thought about it, I really felt like I love that. Yeah, that's the best. In fact, yeah. I actually said to Vance the other day, "This is my new goal in life." Wow. Is how do we just be healthy church? Yeah. How can that be at the top of our list before they say audacious faith or cutting edge or pioneering? What if healthy is at the forefront of what we wow. do? And if that means we have to slow things down or if that means we have to build some infrastructure and really focus certain seasons, not just on expansion or evangelism, but growing deeper as a body, as believers, community, all those things actually is a metric that we need to build out that we can measure how healthy are we mm. and what does that look like? So that's kind of put me in a bit of a, a really good tailspin to figure out, oh man, I gotta get metrics around this because I want a health score. Katrina here. If this is your first episode of the Hype Pod, then welcome. We are so glad you're checking us out. And uh, listen, I gotta be honest with you. We've had this red hot episode ready to serve, and so I'm so excited to put it out there for you. We're gonna talk about a culture that we're very familiar with here in Silicon Valley grow at all costs or scale at all costs. So whether it's ROI or market share, customer satisfaction rate, lead generation, whatever the metrics, you're likely looking at those metrics because you're measuring your growth rate. But what's the cost of growth? And is rapid growth really to be desired? And what about health? And when is blitzscaling okay? If you're familiar with blitzscaling, Reid Hoffman, who is one of the founders of PayPal, calls it high-impact entrepreneurship. He says, quote, it's what you do when you need to grow really, really fast. You throw yourself off a cliff and assemble your airplane on the way down, end quote. And it's what we're seeing with the AI race right now. We're seeing it with the Twitter threads race right now. We see it in churches. So in this episode, our pastorpreneurs, Pastor Adam Smallcom and Pastor Vance Roush and I talk about how to grow slow. We flip it and we talk about health as a value. Uh, we'll talk about the Silicon Valley reputation of blitzscaling and maybe in what season that looks right to do. And we'll use the FX documentary series on Hillsong as something to probe this conversation. We'll also talk about the pressures of Pride Month on faith and Christian identity in the workplace since we recorded this right at the end of June. The Hype Network podcast is brought to you by VestFund. Each episode of The Hype Pod is a conversation about innovation technology and our intention is to fuel your innovative ideas to bring together kingdom builders so that together we can advance the kingdom in these awesome influential spaces if you like what you hear hit subscribe we really hope you enjoy this episode okay. uh, all right what are we talking about today all right episode 12 we did 11 last week wow number 12 yeah, uh, yeah. it's me good but a dozen in um a dozen in um yeah so i mean there's a lot to talk about we can talk about Hillsong. I think we need to talk about Hillsong. I think we yeah. really should. What broke yeah. Hillsong? <laughs> 
there's so much that you can pull out of that. But there's there's so much you can pull out of yeah. that. To be honest with you, I think that it is. I didn't know how many people would be watching this. Um, is it Vanity Fair uh, documentary? FX. FX. Yep. Yeah. And uh, they have uh, put, spun the documentary Secrets of Hillsong. And I didn't know how many people would watch it only because I feel like there's been so many documentaries, like there's so many spinoffs and people doing their own stories. And I always thought, is this even of interest to the world? However, I think with this one, it's very much, uh, Carl Lentz more than, more than Hillsong. It's Carl Lentz telling his story and he's telling his, uh, justifying his position. Um, you know, and I think we could. Before we get into critiquing it, giving our thoughts, it's certainly taken way more notice from not just, I guess, people in the church, but even people outside of the church really? than I expected. Yeah. And that's why it's part of our recent conversations is because people have been bringing it up. Yeah. Yep. What are people saying when you say outside of the church? What are, what's the review? On? I don't know what people are saying outside of the church. We've just got people that are in the church telling okay. us that their co-workers have, oh. have talked about it or their friends outside of church yeah. have mentioned okay. that they're watching and asking them questions because yeah. they know they go to a similar style church yes. to, to Hillsong. Well, they're also giving you the nudge. Did you see it, Pastor? Of course. <laughs> and what's your response? Exactly. <laughs> that oh. is the, but you flip it on them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, I think let's break it down. I don't know where we're going to start, but obviously this is chaos, utter chaos. You know, when you think of what Hillsong has been, you know, unashamedly, it's been fundamental in many of our, not really in our faith, but probably more in our style. style, Yeah. The the way we've approached ministry. Exactly. Some of the sounds, some of the moments, epic moments on church culture, growth, uh, pushing the limits, boundaries on what's possible, mm-hmm. uh, you know, formation of music. Creativity. And yeah, all those kinds of things. I just think we we think it's so impressive from size and in many ways a global domination of, of pioneering church. And for that to be proven to be not nearly as robust as it is, as we, everyone thought it was yeah. for it to be able to crumble so quickly mm. and so, so dynamically. I think there was a perfect storm that was in play. I think you, you're throwing pandemics in there. I think you had to throw in, uh, celebrityism in there. Yeah. You've got to throw in so many elements yeah. into the mix. So maybe it wasn't as fragile as it looks. Yeah. Maybe it was actually way more robust, but just with the perfect storm of all those chaotic ingredients, yeah. um, it was just enough, the straw to break the camel's back. And I think for the record, we do believe it's unfortunate, the angle that FX took, yeah. right? Very much, even just beyond Hillsong, pretty much bashing the church, Sure, um, very negative on the church at large. And that's unfortunate. And that's why we're having conversations with people within our church yeah. to help them you know, uh, process through how to think about it and things like that. I think what's of interest to us in the context of bridging innovation with the faith space and organization building and scaling is what can we learn from an organizational standpoint? Exactly. If we looked at Hillsong strictly from a, a business and organization, which it's not, it's the local church, but in a lot of ways, what was impressive was their scale. Yes. Their scalability. And as, you know, people that love startups, that love tech, that li- live in the Silicon Valley, literally, that talk to entrepreneurs 
every day. We're talking about these things. We're talking about scale. Yes, yes. <laughs> We're talking about scalability. But what can we learn um, from the lesson of Hillsong? Uh, not to even just critique them, but to assess the situation. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this is the, the perfect intersection for hype because yes. on the hype pod, we're about faith and innovation. Mm -hmm. And we've got probably one of the most innovative churches in history as an organization totally. that is so prominent in the faith space that it's it's almost like we cannot not comment on this and learn from this and maybe analyze it a little bit. So our focus probably isn't going to be necessarily on uh, the moral failures mm -hmm. on the, uh, you know, I guess the ins and outs of the individuals, but from a corporation yeah. point of view. So maybe we should give it a little bit of context because I think that where this podcast has been landing has been in innovation and technology. So if you're not aware of what we're talking about, there's a four-part series, documentary, um, a show. I think you can catch it on Hulu or something like Probably. that. But it is produced by FX and the main subject of topic is Hillsong. Yes. And um, it does go through quite a bit around um, uh, Carl Lentz. Yeah. So yeah. just, I, I guess I could land it there. But in case you're not aware of what we're talking well, about. Well, yeah. this is of interest too, because not just Carl Lentz, but the founder of Hillsong, Brian yes. Houston. Yeah, great point. Yeah. And so I do think what's interesting is they, they go into some of the personal things, but what was fascinating from an organizational standpoint was it was very clear. They go through the history of Hillsong. Their rise was fast. Sure. Especially in the last few years. Yeah. Um, before everything went down, it mm. accelerated. It felt like they went from, you know, uh, one of the most prominent churches in Australia to massive locations yes. in all the biggest cities of the world. I mean, you saw it. We saw it unfold yeah, before our eyes in the past decade. Yeah, I mean, we um, some of my early experiences in uh, ministry as a, as a child was at Hillsong uh, Hills Conference all wow. the way back in the day, Jam, and uh, that was the youth conference. And you know, I think formative in so much of of my leadership growing up under Brian's leadership and watching Pastor Brian the way he ministered, the way he he modeled ministry. And I think there is no doubt to uh, to the fact that he is in historic. In history, he's been an, an amazing builder. Yes. Builder of church, empower of people, uh, developer of products. And well, from books to, to music and everything that he's pioneered, spaces he's created for people. I think what we look at is we look at Hillsong as a, a talent machine, as yes. a leadership machine, you know, with the Hillsong they College, college yep. their ability to attract uh, people and attract talent and put them through their system and really pretty much spit them out wearing wearing the everything, you know, and modeling everything that Hillsong is and uh, being able to kind of really at the right time scale and pop up all over the globe with some infrastructure that really did kind of put this global expansion that was mesmerizing to watch. Yeah. You know, every city that they, they you know, popped up in, there was thousands of people thousands. lining up, Packed. people leaving their church to go and line up at this church experience, which was – you know, from I think at a kingdom perspective, didn't feel right, um, but at the same time, it made it forced you to have to be better. You know, if right. you were having a church in that city, the Hillsong was popping up in. You know, and it felt like a bit of from some people probably felt like competition. From other perspective, that's healthy competition. Any any time you're talking about innovation being a business, if you've got a competition in your market, well, that should either produce you to be better sure. or quit. Yeah, of course, yeah. you know, yeah, that's a free market system, a free market system. Exactly. And so what I think what we've got is we have got a now 
some pretty prominent personalities uh, with what was Carl Lentz and Judah Smith and yep. uh, Justin Bieber, you know, some of the biggest celebs. It really captured uh, an audience in New York City. Yes. You know, what, what I think people would probably deem as one of the toughest locations to pioneer faith and they were doing it. Yeah. And yeah. I honestly think, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, from my perspective for many years, there was a I'm proud factor, you know, that we're in those spaces, mm. that the church is getting notoriety. Definitely. You know, because uh, there was a lot of relationship uh, between um, a lot of these people and mm -hmm. really proud to see them do it. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> you know, I had no interest in being in that space, but someone was doing it mm -hmm. and good for them. Great. You know, fly the flag. But I think in the back of our mind, there was always that concern. Is this sustainable? Mm. And I don't think you even right. had to be in ministry to have that, that question mark. Is the rate of expansion sustainable? I, I remember at one stage when Hillsong first started in New York, uh, I was in a conversation where they were saying they have like five to 10,000 people coming on a Sunday yes. and they have under 100 leaders. Jeez. Like under 100 <laughs> team trying to cater for this many services wow. and People were obviously getting really overloaded and all those kinds of things. And, and so it felt like, it felt like definitely the motto was scale at all costs. Right. And you know, what's interesting is we see some of those themes in the Silicon Valley. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Go at all costs. Mm -hmm. uh, before this recent downturn, it was like, you know, um, spend whatever as long as you're growing. There's this whole mindset in the Silicon Valley around blitz scaling. There's yeah. literally a book on blitzscaling. Mm -hmm. When Zuckerberg first started Facebook, it was build fast and break things. Yes. Literally, he said break things. Yes. Right? It's different now. It's different now. There's, I don't know exactly what it is now, but I think it's something like build safe infrastructure or something. It's opposite. The tone has changed. And, and when you say that at the back of your mind, you always were concerned about uh, organizations like this sustainability, what are the diagnostics? If you were like a doctor diagnosing the situation, is it like the amount of services? Is it the volunteer to mm. attendance ratio? You know, what, what are some of those diagnostics if you came in as like a, a doctor to the situation? I think if I was looking at it from a few different angles, there you've got to, I mean, let's, let's break it down in a company's terms. Okay. Grow at all costs is kind of like saying we are going to to drive a go-kart at 200 miles an hour. Mm. We're just going to go as fast as we can in this thing, but not thinking about can the wheels handle that speed? Is the wow. frame going to warp at that speed? Is the machine I've got built, can it handle that speed? And I think what you had with Hillsong was just this um, this magnetic attraction that wasn't built to handle the pressure of that load, right? Right. And so when you're scaling, you know, the whole idea of scaling is to make sure that you're in building the infrastructure to handle the customers, the yeah. the resources, the orders, you know, all those kinds of things. Otherwise, you break down. Yes. You know, imagine if Amazon scaled too quickly or uh, a, pl a platform, they couldn't handle the loads. And we've seen that. All the time. We've seen it in different companies where they hit a market, they bid off more than they could chew, and then you have a few key people not handle it, leave, whatever. And then, you know, the, it just becomes, it actually gets a bad taste. Right. People don't like that product anymore because it didn't deliver on what they promised. 
So that's why you've got to close your markets. That's why you've got to expose yourself in a, in a, in a closed market to start with, build some infrastructure. And that's what I think churches have been able to do, a lot of successful churches, is they've started small. I always say this, the, perfect, the, the best model for church is grow slow. Mm. I know that is not popular. Mm-hmm. I know that is anti-pop, <laughs> but I've talked to my campus pastors about it all the time is grow slow because we're trying to grow stability. And growth isn't just measured on how many seat people you can have in seats. It's how do you how do you measure maturity? How do you how do you measure depth in people? Wow. There is there is a bigger measurement than just how many people you get through the door to how am I growing them and discipling them? And I think that there's sometimes metrics that are missed in the optics of, you know, 500 people lining up the, out the door for the next service. And if we can just get mass people through, then it's successful. But but when we say grow slow, are we contradicting one of the main threads of this podcast, which is big ambition? I think in the Silicon Valley, let, let's look at from venture capital. There is certainly a major focus. What's investable is something that's going to grow quick, scale, and have an exit. Yep. You know, if it's going to take longer than 10 years, man, the shine is worn off this thing. Correct. Okay. We want something that's going to, you know, pop. We want something that's going to hit the market. We want something that's going to grab users, that's going to dominate. And that's that's almost, uh, the, that's definitely the trend. I don't know uh, if there are many companies that have got a 30-year plan at the moment, mm. right? And when you look at the stable companies of Walmart and GE, these companies that started, I don't know, when, back in the 1940s? Yeah. Um, and have been building solid. This is like, at generational wealth level of like infrastructure stability. Yes. But that's not the trend. I think we're definitely on the hip. It's almost like get rich quick. It's like one of the most elaborate get rich quick schemes. Right. (laughs) But I don't think innovation has to be partnered with speed. Wow. That's a contrarian take. I don't think innovation has to be partnered with speed. I definitely think that there is in some aspects, I mean, you've got to be quick to pivot, but I think that you can build stability and, and scaffolding uh, where the scaffolding has to come off and can the pillars remain. If you build everything with scaffolding and never with actually some foundations and cement, um, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get a loose organization. So a detriment to stability is urgency. I think so. I believe so. When everything's urgent. And I think if I if I would apply that to Hillsong, one one of the things that I noticed Carl Lentz say in the amongst a lot of things, I'm not going to go into all the the ownership or lack of ownership of things and deflections and all that kind of stuff. I'll let everyone make their own decisions on on that. But he did mention something about the pressure to add more services right. to see what Brian had modeled and his ability as a as a founder to be able to. Uh, run 11 services and he felt the pressure, man, I'm younger and I should be doing more. There, there was an urgency and I'm wondering what is the urgency? Mm. What is, does the urgency create instability? Does the urgency put pressure to a point where what about, what about this? What about instead of urgency, we actually focus on longevity? Love that. Cause I even look at, what seems to be the moment, the straw that broke the camel back, even for, for Pastor Brian, was the fact that he was on sleeping pills and the sleeping pills led to mixed with alcohol, found himself in somebody's hotel room and there's a negative scandal. Well, let's wind that back. Why are you on sleeping pills? Right, because right, of the right. flights. 
because yeah. of the flights, the time zones. Why don't? <laughs> what if you took a break instead of a sleeping pill? Yeah. You know, what if there was some some measures to go? Hey, we don't have to sack Rome in a day. Rome wasn't built in a day. What if we build this over longevity? What if we have a plan to not do this all in our lifetime? What if the vision is so big that we're going to pass it on to the next generation? So good. I mean, we had a friend this morning tell us that F1 is actually a race about brakes, yes. not acceleration. Some of the fastest people in the world and their race is more about brakes. It's, it's known as a race of brakes. <laughs> and the reason it's known as a race of brakes is because each car can accelerate at the same velocity. Like, I mean, very similar because they're so fine-tuned, these machines. So where the skill comes in or the advantage is in your ability to brake at the right moment and know when to come into a corner with brakes. Maybe come in hot, but can you know your braking system even more than your acceleration system? Imagine if you apply this to ministry or business. It was a couple of years ago I remember professing to Kira. I said, Kira, I realized I have a brake, not just next – because, man, we were, we were – there's seasons where we've had it flat to the floor as well, right? Yeah. And uh, in the early seasons, there is a, definitely a season for that. But then there comes a revelation, man, i got to control the brake as well. Because if we hit a corner too hard, we're going to throw everyone off, you know, and uh, we want to make sure we do this together and we walk this out. Well, I think, you know, what allows you to take a break and to apply that tool is when you extend the time horizon. Exactly. <laughs> right? Yes. Because if your time horizon is superficially five years for, I mean, why? Yep. But let's just say because, <laughs> then all of a sudden a lot of decisions are forced function to be able to hit that time horizon. Correct. What if you lengthened it? What if you had, like you said, a multi-generational approach? Man, that would change your whole approach mm. Yeah, how you build. Yeah, I think this multi-generational approach is also the way to, I think, think through uh, transferring generational wealth mm. is not just in the, can I, can I uh, limit, um, you know, one of the approaches to generational wealth is how do I make sure my kids um, have the same experiences I had? Yeah, they don't get too much. Yeah. So let me yeah. give away everything and give them just a little so they have to go through what I go through. I don't know if that's the right model. Yeah. I don't know if you need your kids to go through what you go through. But can they actually pick up the mission? Bernard, I don't know. We're, yeah. we're talking about him. Yeah. Like obviously his kids have picked up the mission. We can see different settings where where the next generation could pick up the mission. And instead of reinventing everything that you had to learn, can they go from a new platform? Walmart is a good indication of that. Yeah. Where generationally they're picking up the mission and they're taking it to a whole nother level. So there are still things to be built. We don't just have to go through everything every time just to, I guess, safeguard our future, you know, it's beautiful, bringing stability. But look, I think the big picture is uh, there needs to be a measure. Yeah. There needs to be a measure. There needs to be a measure of pace. Yeah. How how fast can this go kart handle? Mm -hmm. Or do we need to go into the pits and build out the cart a little bit more? Yeah. And do we need to measure out seasons in the church? Yeah. Is there? You know, I think one of the conflicts that we've had in the past with people, now this is going to sound really controversial. If you've ever heard anything controversial, this is going to sound controversial. Come on. There is a, a brand of ministry that is all about, man, we're going to go on the streets and we're going to get people saved. We're going to get people saved in the park. We're going to get people saved That's in the right. streets. Yep. We're going to go lay hands on people. They saw, I think they call it um, treasure hunting. You yeah. know, we're going to go and give them a prophetic word and play, he play, play healing. And we, and then they always come back with, man, we're just seeing dozens of people saved. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, cool. Is that the goal? Right. Is the goal to just get as many people as possible to say the sinner's prayer? 
or is the goal to build a church? Yeah, build disciples. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Jesus uh, gave his life to build the church. He said, I'll build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So it's not about just saying a sentence. It's about becoming a disciple. Yes. And our job is not to get people in the door. Our, our job ultimately is to grow them, mobilize them, develop them as disciples to make them more like Jesus so they are transformed and more effective in the world. That's a process. And sometimes you can't do that at speed. Church grows slow. Wow. Church grows slow. And maybe your company should grow slower if it meant more sustainability. Yeah, so what does that look like in the company setting? Well, I think in the company setting, what people see is that Uber worked out. And that's almost yeah. like a detriment, right? You had a founder like Travis, I don't know him personally, but you know, from watching the journey, it was like break, breakneck speed, war rooms every single day, winning market share, destroy Lyft. Yep. Um, pull the team in on Saturday. You know, pull the team in yep. on Saturdays. Actually, let's work on Sunday as well. If you didn't work on Saturday, don't bother coming in on Sunday. You're fired. <laughs> you know, all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and and what happened is that actually kind of worked. Right. I mean, Uber today is an incredibly valuable company. I mean, at the expense of now Travis is not the CEO. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a little detail. Yeah. Uh, but for every Uber, there's also like a WeWork. Yeah. Right. Similar situation like this blitz scaling, this um, take no prisoners, grow at all cost type of approach. Um, you can go from literally a $50 billion company to sub $1 billion. Wow. We work. Yeah, we work. There you go. And it's just like, okay, um, at the end of the day, when are we going to get past the vanity metrics and actually look under the hood and see, is this built to last? Wow. Right? Is this, is this built to last? Um, are we retaining customers? Are we building a culture where people want to stay and work and build a career? Are we building a brand that's trusted? I mean, you have to be facing that. I mean, you're building a company. Yeah. Okay. And you've got thresholds, right? So mm -hmm. I think what forces the the speed is the fact that we've got short runways. Yep. You've got a you got a seed round. You've got a series A. You've got a series B. You've got limited funds. You've got a scale. You've got competition. So this produces the Silicon Valley environment of yes. speed, speed to market, speed to product, uh, speed to next funding round. Yes. How, how are you balancing that with the essential need? I've got to raise money. Mm -hmm. I've got to build a product and I've got to do it faster and better than anybody else and yet build something that's got longevity. Yeah. So one thing that I've learned uh, in the past three years is really identifying specifically who I'm serving and serving them really well. In the beginning, because there was so much momentum behind Overflow, the, the idea at the time was really novel. We were first to market. We were pioneering. Um, there was so much hype to it. I just let the front doors open wide open. Right. And what I learned from that is actually I shouldn't have accepted everybody as customers that I did. Wow. The reason why is because they weren't actually ready for our product. <laughs> and so they didn't actually have um, infrastructure in place within their church or their charitable organization to educate their donors. Um, they still had a growing donor base, so they didn't have as many people that probably had stock in crypto right. to be able to give. And so what I saw in kind of the early years is even though we grew so fast and we welcomed so many customers, we also saw, you know, many customers churn. Right, <laughs> right. And then, I, and then I realized, oh, okay, all growth is not good growth. Right. Exactly. You want the right growth. 
And what I'm realizing now is that as we've honed into the right customer, when they're at the right stage, when they're ready for our product and um, we can serve them well, that right growth starts to become exponential growth. And so it's almost like, you know, you go slow yep. to go smooth yep. and smooth goes fast. Correct. Because, <laughs> I mean, you talk about the churn, right? When you're building a company and you're talking about customers, that's one thing. But if you apply that to the church, yes. you're talking about people, then grow at all costs becomes a negative. That's not a great scale is if you're churning through as many people that are coming in the door and the back door, we talk about the back door, the back door is as big as the front door, then um, you really don't have a robust ministry. Yeah, You don't have a stable ministry. It, it, what would be better is if you could focus on, can we slow this down and focus on retention? Can we care about people? Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, you did something very significant at a church for the very first time in 10 years. Yes. Where after next steps, they're not mobilized. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so we introduced something that m might actually uh, have a bad taste in some people's mouth, but sure. we actually just in introduced membership. Now, I know for the old school Christians, they're like freaking out, membership, oh no, because everyone's got like these weird <laughs> thoughts around membership. and Blood oath. Yeah, people voting and I'm stuck and all that kind of stuff. That's not what membership is. Really what... What we saw is in the first 10 years, we were scaling so fast that we had to fast track people onto team. And, you know, we sometimes we didn't even know them for a month and they were joining team. <laughs> but, you know, our, our ethos was let's get them on the team and grow them as we go. Yeah. And we'll fix them up as we go. I mean, you get the most pastoring, most focused while you're on team. And so that was what justified it. But And that works in a small church setting. But when a church gets bigger you really don't have a touch point on every single person. So like from, from the high level leadership, it all kind of gets, you know, uh, quite wide. So we have to shift. And instead of going next steps to mobilize, let's do next steps to membership mm. so that we have some agreement on what it is to be a part of this community that we prioritize being here and being part of the values and, actually having an expectation of what it means to call Vive Church our home, essentially who's in the community and who's not in the community. And from there, that's where we begin to mobilize team from the membership. It is an intentional slowing down that is. on the growth rate of the church. Not how many people are coming into the church, but how fast they go through the steps of the church. Because I used to put it this way, we want to build uh, hurdles. Uh, we, that's why we call it next steps. Not that they're hurdles, but they're steps in. Yes. And we did that because a lot of church uh, planting that you'll go to, it's all about how quick can you slide people in, yeah. make it frictionless right. yeah. into yeah. the church. Yeah. I realized slide in, slide out. Yep. As easy 100%. as it is in, it's easy to slip out the back door as well. Right. But if you create some steps into the church, then people have to take some steps to leave the church. Totally. And so sometimes those steps are actually the, the moments of retention as well that we're going to pause. Let's slow down. Let's make sure you know the values. Let's make sure you know the history. Let's make sure you know your purpose here. And uh, those steps actually lead you to a place of depth in the church. I, I, um, I've been reading this fitness blog recently that was really illuminating. It was talking about how, you know, so many people go to the gym and they don't see any results. Um, it's not even the amount of time or even like the type of workouts they're doing. It's how they're doing the workout. And so one of the fundamental shifts to actually build muscle is time under tension. Mm. Right, right. And so what happens is people do reps too fast 
Mm. and you did it, but you didn't actually have enough time under tension, and that's where muscle is built. Wow. And so sometimes it's like you slow down to actually strengthen. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> you know, and that's actually how you build robust muscles. Oh, that's awesome. That starts to become visible, that starts to become functional. Yeah. Can, can I make a tricky correlation? You can. Real quick. Um, a few episodes we were talking, a few episodes ago we were talking about um, the bank crisis yes. yeah and we talked about greed is there a correlation here mm. you know I, I just kept thinking about when you were talking about the pressure to grow and to scale at all costs um is there a healthy level of greed is that wow. connected to Good ambition question. is that because it fits in both spaces and i think i i'm just i don't know i'm trying to make a connection because i see this example of like first republic and this example now that yeah. we have on this documentary of Hillsong. Yeah. And the pressure to grow quickly. Is there a connection? Is it is it going to be greed or is it just the pressure of looking successful? Yeah, it kind of goes back to your um, passing around comparison, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Am I like social media? Is my is my event bigger? And is is there mass of people? Mm. And, yeah. and is it optics? Because the invisible measurement, okay, so let's talk about two types of measurement. You've got a ruler or a scale. And a ruler is nice. Everyone loves measuring with the ruler. Look how wide we've grown. But the, the weight one or the maturity, the depth of your church, it's not as easy to flex. Yeah. It's not easy to show. Look how deep our church is. Look how <laughs> stable yeah. our people are. Right. You know, it's, it's but people notice it, actually. They do. They do, actually. We got a compliment. Should I share that? Yeah, you should. Uh, you know, because I've been talking to a bunch of leaders uh, recently and a whole bunch of leaders that seem to be, you know, looking for uh, employment or like church pastors, mm. people looking for opportunities and uh, people making some connections, having conversations. And each of these conversations I've been asking, okay, so what is it about Vive? Like you're reaching out to see if there's an opportunity here. What, what is it about Vive that you know? What do you know about Vive? Because here I am thinking we're flying under the radar. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're out here in the Silicon Valley and we're growing. And uh, these are people from other parts of the country. And their answer shocked me because I was <laughs> – Honestly, expecting they would say, uh, you know, just faith. Yeah, uh, crazy. It's yeah, we're crazy, audacious. <laughs> um, the preaching's phenomenal. Yeah. You know, something like that. Um, but that's not what they said. What they said was two people said exactly the same answer. That's what shocked me. They said it looks like a healthy church. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I thought, huh? Well, <laughs> <laughs> kind of takes you off guard. <laughs> What? Like, do I like that? Right. <laughs> and and the preaching's awesome, right? No, but it's, <laughs> but as I thought about it, I really felt like I love that. Yeah, that's the best. In fact, yeah. I actually said to Vance the other day, "This is my new goal in life. Wow, is how do we just be healthy church? Yeah, how can that be at the top of our list before they say audacious faith or cutting edge or pioneering? What if healthy is at the forefront of what we wow. do and if that means we have to slow things down or if that means we have to build some infrastructure and really focus certain seasons, not just on expansion or evangelism, but growing deeper as a body, as believers, community, all those things actually is a metric that we need to build out that we can measure how healthy are we mm. and what does that look like? So that's kind of put me in a bit of a, 
a really good tailspin to figure out, oh man, I've got to get metrics around this because I want a health score. Yeah. So good. Nice. What would that, yeah. What would that look like? What would be our hope? How would you create a health score? What's the rating? I look mean, at your leaders. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, maturity. health, the reason that they would say that anything is healthy grows, yeah. right? So if you focus on growth, it'll be hard to grow. But if you focus on health, you'll grow. Yeah. But a healthy church is a result of healthy leadership. Yeah. Right. When I look at, uh, even if we go back to Hillsong, we can see that the breakdown of Hillsong was the breakdown of leadership. Right. Yeah. Leadership of Brian, leadership of Carl, their leadership together, all those kinds. They were breaking before the church broke. Right. Yeah. And so you can't blame an organization. You have to blame leadership. So at the same time, the opposite is true. Yeah. That if you're healthy as a leader, then you can expect the organization to have health and healthy things grow. So I think a lot of your health has to be focused on what am I doing to make sure I'm healthy? Right. What are my disciplines? What are my uh, processes? What am I doing? What am I building in to make sure I'm healthy uh, that will result in uh, the, the organization be healthy? I, I think about, I don't know, can I talk about GLR? Sure. Yes. I, I was thinking about how you actually make it. It's funny that you're surprised to hear that we're healthy <laughs> as a church. Global leadership retreat. Yeah, the global leadership yeah. retreat, which is coming up pretty soon. Yes. But that specific investment that you and Pastor Kira make into the leadership of our church. Yes. And it's it, it's a fun time, you know? Oh, yeah. It's a good time. Yeah, it's a good time. And you don't hold back, you know? And, yeah. But the purpose behind it that you've shared in the past is just making sure with so many remote locations that we're still unified and that you're pouring into us. And, um, But I, I think about that. That's And you do that as well with Overflow. You guys do some yeah, really sure. great retreats. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's essential, right? Because when you look at your high-level leadership, they are ministering. And when you're ministering, they're – okay, I love the Bible, and I believe that when you refresh others, you get refreshed. But sometimes the rate of refreshing others outweighs the rate of refreshment for you. And so you need an injection and a time where, where do the ministers get ministered to? Where do our pastors yes. get yeah. that time of refreshment? And GLR, our global lead retreat, it's our uh, executive level leadership, our campus pastor leadership, where we really focus pretty much three days of just ministering, refreshment, meals, fun, laughter, but in that, it is pretty intense too, where we are unpacking some stuff, some some pain points throughout the year, some disappointments. We're going to tackle some of those toxic elements that we could graft in. Yep. Maybe it's some comparison moments, yeah. especially, I mean, you know, you, we've got 11 locations and that sounds nice, but sometimes that can be competition. Sure. If you're building a location here and there's a location over there and you're in the same family and you all got the same resources, how come they're doing better? Well, how do we un how do we make that healthy, not toxic? And uh, I think that that's just health focus. You know what I've seen you and Pastor Kara do really well, which you know I don't know how you measure it, but I think is a sign of health, is you all are so good at confronting things that might be unhealthy in you know certain team members over the years within our organization, but at the right time. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and so it, it's always yeah. been very impactful to me to understand that, hey, you, you could have <laughs> piled this on um, before, but you, you've you've selected the right time where it can be received. Um, the love could also be uh, received in, you know, uh, in connection with the maybe correction or challenge. Um, and I think that's healthy. Mm -hmm. I think it's healthy because yeah. in our organization, things don't go unsaid. Right. No, this, we don't leave anything unsaid. Right. We will, 
give that to my wife. Like she can't leave <laughs> anything alone. Like, you know, if she sees something, but I think also too, what we don't do and people probably don't realize this, we don't punish people. Mm. We don't really even reprimand no. people. What we will do is we'll highlight a difference in the culture that they're bringing. Mm. That if they're doing something that's so different from the culture that we've created, we'll just contrast the culture. We'll highlight it and we'll give them permission to go and pursue that culture yeah. or we give them permission to submit under our culture. Mm. And it's the cultural differences that's creating the abrasiveness. And I just, I don't want to come against the culture that they want. If they want to go and build their culture, let's go. Yeah. We'll release you. But if you want to build what we're building, hey, come under this culture. Yeah. That way it's an invitation, not a punishment. Mm. I'm not trying to chastise you or chain you down or limit your growth. If you feel God's calling you this way, hey, all the best. But if you want to build with what we're building, well, that's align our culture. I think what's healthy is alignment and agreement. Correct. I actually don't subscribe yeah. to, well, we just agree to disagree. No. I think that is so yeah, <laughs> unhealthy. Yeah. I think if you disagree, that means you haven't had enough conversation yet. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. If we're going to build this thing together, we can't, we can't afford to agree to disagree. That's right. That's literally like the starting point yeah. of division. Correct. Yeah. Well, absolutely, because there is no anointing without alignment, right? And there's no alignment without agreement. So if you stop at the point of agreement and you have, well, we just disagree, but let's keep moving forward. That's right. No, you're not in alignment. Therefore, no anointing can flow. Right. Because authority comes yeah. from alignment. Like you're coming under, under that authority is where anointing is. How do you okay. unpack that now in the space of business? Because like, I've learned that here now working in ministry on your staff. How does that look? For people who are listening and they don't work specifically in ministry, how do they manage that if they're the person of authority well, the person under authority? Well, how do you work through that? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let me be the contrarian again. Okay. <laughs> you like being that? Yeah. I do. I really You're do. You're an Enneagram we'll 8, right? But part of my breaks, to. by the way, is <laughs> just a little vulnerable moment. Part of me realizing I have a break means I don't need to challenge all the time. So that was the, that was oh. the awareness. Like <laughs> I can have some days off challenging. There you go. But let me challenge a thought for today because I'm putting the accelerator on that sometimes we – in, in tech, I, I've seen this in the Silicon Valley, is that everyone is bouncing to find their culture fit. Yes. Rather yeah. than yeah. submitting under a culture. And we've just empowered the least culture, cultured person, True. to keep wow. moving until you find someone that agrees with you. Wow. Rather than going, man, maybe I need to come under. I, I My first job was at McDonald's, okay? At McDonald's, if you didn't wear the tie... Totally. That was useless. Okay. It was a clip on tie and you had to still wear it while you were flipping burgers out the back. <laughs> Ain't nobody care if you're wearing a tie, a bow tie or no shirt at all. So, Maybe they care awesome. if you don't wear a shirt. Do they still wear ties in Australia? In, I, I think in, so. In I think they do actually. Memphis? It was about 400 years ago, but you know, <laughs> back then we wore ties and you wore an apron and you had to have double gloves. And there was all these protocols yeah. that you couldn't just go in there and be like, you know, it's ain't my culture. Uh, it's not a culture fit. It's not a culture fit. Can I can I put a little culture vote in? No, because the culture was culture. so strong yeah. that you go, hey, submit to this culture. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere along the way, that's probably lost in so much of uh, the emerging generation where it's like, oh, I don't like this culture. I want to change the culture. <laughs> I, don't, I think you have to first come under a culture before you get the privilege of establishing a culture. Totally, totally. I fully agree with that. Um, I, th I think that, 
it is different in a company setting than a church setting, obviously. But things like not allowing uh, big situations to end in, okay, we just agree to disagree, is something I carry over to my for-profit corporate entity, right? Um, it's the same first principle truth that if we're going to build something together yes. and we're going to build something of significance and sustainability, we have to be aligned, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. And if there's a contrast in the direction of where you see the culture, then it might not be a fit, right? Right. If you don't want to submit to that. And if you agree to disagree, the next agreement is you no longer work here. <laughs> so you end up with agreement. Yeah, you, you end up with a DocuSign that you can sign for your severance. Exactly. Yeah. We yeah. agree on that. Exactly. Man. What do you, bring it back to the Hillsong thing real quick. Yeah. Because we were talking about how people are talking about it in the workplace. What is, um, what are, what's your take and what are you feeling with people's turning their eyes onto church? Because it's a documentary on church. It's not just a documentary. It's an indictment Hills. on modern church exactly. specifically. So what's what's the take on that? What's your So it's an indictment on modern it? church. I think definitely and I'm I'm receiving this. You know, people are not just looking at Hillsong Church, they're looking at oh, well, hang on. Vive is a similar style right. of right. church and music, you know, and hmm. now people are like, "Oh, how's the leadership structure and and how are you guys doing it?" And yeah. Okay, that's fine. Fair questions. Happy to ask answer any of those questions. But can I put it back on you? Wow. How are you leading your family? What kind of culture are you setting? Are you, you know, putting the pressure on your kids and or, or are you actually investing uh, into your family with health? What's the health score of your family? Are you focused all your time at your career and you're judging the church for running too fast, but are you pushing your family too fast? Are you building in vacation? Are you building – because you've got to lead in some setting in the home. And I always like to just instead of say, hey – let me watch the Hillsong documentary and then put that lens on my church. What if I just put the lens on my family? One of my pet hates is when you're preaching a sermon and the wife is nudging the husband. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, listen for you, honey. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't listen for him. It's hypocritical, right? Yeah. But we all are because yeah. instead of watching Hillsong and going, man, have I checked my health score? Wow. We're, we're projecting that on some other setting. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's how I would say if you're going to watch this, just check yourself, yeah. you know, let it be a, a healthy check on how am I walking out my faith and how am I walking out my integrity and how am I keeping myself above board? How am I making sure that I'm growing at a right pace that actually produces health and doesn't burn people out in the process? So good. Yeah. That's wisdom. What do you, why do you think, oh, we've talked about this before and you kind of talked about it from the pulpit, but people are so quick to criticize um, the church. I mean, it's just a, it's a part of our culture to review everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But there's so many YouTubers yeah. that are popular yeah. by just critiquing and reviewing. Right. Yeah. That's I mean, there's so a function in Instagram that you remix, right? Like, what is it? It's called remix, right? Where you can uh, remix someone else's post and, and it's built so that you could react to it. But yeah. what, yeah, what do you so, think that comes from? Why do, you, why do we do that? I think we do it because we can. And it's okay. easy. <laughs> it's easier to be a critic than a contributor. Yeah. And it's easy to take pot shots at something and tear something down from the armchair or from the couch and actually not have anything proven. Everyone's an expert, right? But I do think that, uh, well, I think ultimately that there is a, uh, there are prominent churches that get the notoriety and 
they get the viewpoint of, look at this church and it's failing, look at this pastor. But for every pastor and church that crumbles under that lack of integrity or moral failure or whatever it is, I'm guarantee you there are thousands and thousands, thousands. of pastors and churches that are doing it diligently, yes. that yeah. love Jesus with all their heart, that are pastoring with deep integrity, that love the church that God's called yeah. them to build, mm. that are being faithful even outside of the limelight, not getting notoriety like these other people are. It's just that all our attention gets what, what gets presented in front of us. Right. And so then we paint everything with that brush. But you're missing the thousands of people that have been doing it for 10, 20, 30 years, mm -hmm. doing it well, yeah. right. that are doing it better than ever, that it is a safe environment. People say to me all the time, like uh, one of the things we've had to confront, right, is when people come into the church. Now, this applies to business as well. They're like, I've got church hurt. I've been hurt by the church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm always like, no, you haven't. You were, church, you were hurt by a person in the church, yep. but it's not the church at large. It'd be like someone taking their experience from that other company, coming into your company saying, I, I had this bad experience. <laughs> like, cool, that was heart. that CEO. <laughs> yeah. Not all CEOs are the same. Right. Right. And so. Uh, well, people also say this. Um, they'll watch a documentary like that and be like, see, that's why I don't go to church. Yeah. No, the, it's the, not. The answer is, yeah. that's not why you don't go to church. <laughs> Before this documentary, you didn't go to church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wasn't there a, um, <clears throat> a season when that happened, when the news of Carl Lentz had come out, there was like, I feel like deconstructed faith as a phrase was birthed. Like it started oh, it was a, a wow. thing. It was right? around before then. But you know what I mean? Like it, it just it became a trend. Sure. Yeah. And so I, I can understand that, why so many people watch that. and they You know what's interesting their, is that uh, deconstruction is now very loaded. But people are trying to uh, deconstruct and even try to reconstruct outside of the context of the church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. literally like unbiblical. Yeah. Right. That's and true. so, um, you know, a better thing is, you know, I have some doubts. You know, a better thing is I don't fully understand. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm not just going to automatically believe everything. Yeah. Cool. You should question. You should um, challenge yourself to think deeper about these things, but you cannot then reconstruct your faith outside of the body. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah you should be, if you're going to deconstruct anything, reconstruct it in a healthy community amongst the saints. So we're going to have this conversation um, at Amen Conference. By the time they hear this, we'll be in Amen Conference, but we're going to have this com conversation called Faith at Work. Yeah. And I want to touch on that real quick before we end anything. Because I've had a few conversations with people who are um, in this space of tension, even just being Christian at work. Mm. And so when I think of a Hillsong documentary that comes out and it becomes more public and people are talking about it, um, people tend to have that either tendency to be very defensive of the church, right? Or shrink back and they're not very loud with their faith. Um, I wonder if you could speak to that. Because it's been a really interesting conversation I keep coming across of even somebody who is told me that they've been reprimanded and told them that they need to be neutral about their faith and work. Um, but they can be pro-LGBTQ. Right, right. So I just, <laughs> exactly. So I wonder if you just talk to it because I think those who are listening to this podcast, since we're speaking often about tech innovation and faith, there are a, a large number of people who work in tech. Oh, yeah. Who work in Silicon Valley. They're in these spaces where in the middle of Pride Month and yes. DEI conversations, how do they respond even within themselves to um, the ridicule of a FX documentary and it, it looking like it's a comment on 
on the church. Yeah, I think you've got to spin it, right? I think you've got to use it as a leverage point, you yeah. know, otherwise the conversation you would have to bring up. But here we've got a good moment where they're bringing up a conversation about the church and you've got a point, a leverage point to counteract that and say, hey, yeah, I watched it too and thank God that's not my church. Yeah. Um, you know, rather than getting in the mix with them and start ridiculing church yourself, okay, you maybe failed on that opportunity. But what a good opportunity in if we're going to find a spin on it, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's an an opportunity to have a conversation that probably wouldn't be there. Right. And I think even if their their comment was, as Vance was saying, uh, that's why I don't go to church, be like, oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah <laughs> is, okay. is it really? Yeah, um, okay. So that's why I don't eat hamburgers. <laughs> that's right. I had a bad burger one time. Right. Or, you know, remember that you, you had that one bad taco. It's like, I'm not, no, no. You're going to go back at a different restaurant. Right. But I'm not going to eat at no restaurants because I had one bad restaurant experience. It's like the customer service was terrible there. We're never eating out again. No, you are. Right. But but you just generalized. And, and I think that it's an opportunity for us to refresh our adjectives about church. Yeah. Right. The language used to be, uh, I go to a really cool church. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what, what's better actually is um, I go to a really healthy church. Oh, yeah. man. So much better. I go, I go to a really healthy community. Yeah. Um, you should come. I don't know why cool was the desired thing, but it was for a long time for sure. Totally. Yeah. Um, Maybe it was misunderstood that because uh, we used to get all the time like, oh, I just love Vive because it's cool and I can invite people here. Maybe a better one is it's not embarrassing. That's good. You know, <laughs> because that's a billboard right there. Because that's, a billboard. <laughs> that's our next campaign. Not embarrassing church. But let's be real. <laughs> let's be real. You're a marketing genius. There were people that were good. ultimately just embarrassed because the church was going to do something weird. Someone's going to get a tambourine out and they're going to do laps around the church during yeah, the song. And, foot, and yeah. they're like, oh, it's not usually like this. But even though it is. It's not usually and, like Or they're like, you got to just give it a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? You shouldn't have to give it a couple of weeks. Um, and so then they come to Vive and they're like, thank God you're normal. Thank God I can bring my friends. I'm not freaked out that the pastor's going to start doing something awkward and calling everyone to do something awkward. You know what I mean? Like it, it, maybe they articulate it as cool. But maybe it just wasn't embarrassing. Well, here's another adjective we can uh, refresh as well or, or rethink is relevant. Mm. Right? Because, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, in talking about uh, what you were commenting on, DEI, it's Pride Month, you know, all that type of stuff, people can misconstrue. Right. Yeah. And then feel like they were bait and switched. Yes, right. <laughs> oh, this is a progressive. Oh, this is a relevant. Yeah. Mm. And some of these terms are being charged now. Yes. Yeah. Um, so it's a really great opportunity to refine our language, right? Yeah. We are a healthy community. Um, you know, we we teach timeless truths yeah. and timeless principles. We know it's going to bless your life. I'd probably put that on business owners as well. Totally. Yeah. On yeah. founders. 100%. What if you, what if you had an that. internal goal yes. of being the healthiest workplace? So good. And, and maybe... Maybe what a shocker! You don't allow people to fly LGBTQ flags <laughs> because it's a hate symbol. Maybe, maybe it's not as progressive as you think it is. Maybe it's not as uh, encumbering as bringing everybody in as you think it is. Maybe you say, "Hey, what if we actually just keep work the same thing? What if we keep the main thing the main thing? Yeah. We love each other. We respect each other. I don't need to play the games of pronouns. I don't need to play the games of." finding out what offends you and doesn't offend you. What if we actually just 
come with our best focus, come with our best heart, and we have a healthy workplace. That would be great. I think that's good. And I actually have a friend that uh, has been a CMO at significant companies, significant companies. And the the first company he was CMO at, at you know, took that stance. Like they right. were a San Francisco-based company, billion-dollar brand. And there was a lot of pressure um, around needing to change logos on their right. LinkedIn and all those type of things for months like the month that we're in right now. But he took a really pragmatic stance and it became really healthy within their culture and within their company of, hey, if we do this, it's actually not a sign of inclusivity because exactly. I have a faith that um, is not aligned uh, with that. And so it's actually, in a way, exclusive yeah. <laughs> to a, a certain um, kind of activism uh, within the company. And so they ended up actually, you know, standing strong amidst the pressure mm. and it became one of the healthiest yeah. things, yeah. um, within their company and their culture. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's gone so far overboard. I mean, you think about the fact that we're in pride month. Yep. Everything else is a day, yeah. but yeah, we've got a month. This yeah. is, there is a clear agenda sure. that has actually become aggressive to now everybody has to play this. Even you, I don't know if you've seen the controversy on the chosen you know, the, the Jesus movie yeah, yeah. chosen. No, I've heard of I it. Don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, and they showed some behind the scenes, but the cameraman has the LGBTQ pride flags hanging off his camera and all that. And they're filming a Jesus movie. Oh, really? Jesus, who ultimately made very clear that that In is word, sinful yeah. life. Yeah. And yet you're flying the flag of a sinful life while filming a movie about Jesus. Right. It's got a lot of heat. You go check it out. Yeah. But even like just that, that whole agenda is actually become aggressive and yet it's sold as being inclusive and not offensive. And I, I think that people are misconstruing what love actually is. Yes, of course. Right. So people are mixing up love with actually being disingenuous. Mm. <laughs> being disingenuous. Right. Yes. And I think, look, what's got out of hand, I'll be honest with you. I'm pretty convinced of this, that when it comes to transgender uh, these narratives of gender dysphoria, especially when it comes to kids, it's not that any sane person thinks that that's real. They just don't want to be mean. In their mind, they want to be kind, so they don't want to make a wave. You know, they just want to, you know, hey, if that's what they want to believe. The problem is, you are being mean. You're being mean to that child. Uh, just that thing that came out today, I saw on Twitter that uh, President Biden put yeah. out. Um, they're our kids you know, and uh, talking about how, you know, they're all our kids. And Elon hit him back. It's, it, he said, they're not your kids. You're the government. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. We are not a, we're not a communist nation. Yeah. They're not our kids. They're my kids. Mm -hmm. And you're the government. But it's like, you know, that, that pressure to, uh, to be inclusive is actually with the wrong idea. Yeah. You're actually being exclusive and you're excluding Christians. Yeah. You're yeah. excluding faith, mm -hmm. morality, mm -hmm. what we believe to be true. Uh, you're highlighting sin and you're flying a flag of sin. That literally you look at the this month on the White House, you've got two yeah. flags, LGBTQ flags, either side of the American flag. And the American flag, I don't know if you guys know this because you're American born, all right? And Aaron, you probably definitely don't know this. You, you're not American. You're American born? Yeah, you're straight American? Okay. So uh, you probably don't know this, but each element of the flag, the colors represent different virtues and values of America. So red represents 
something about virtues and peace and blue represents something and the white represents something. Yeah, I can't remember, but I did study it because I'm, I'm naturalized now. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> most people don't realize that, that the flag has meaning. Yeah. Okay. Each yeah. color has meaning and the stars and all those kinds of mm-hmm. things. So you're actually contra- contrasting that with those other flags now. Yeah. And so, yeah, people don't understand this, but it's a very bold statement that looks subtle because it looks inclusive. And at the end of the day, you know, another thing that that's being mixed up is that your whole identity is your sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and then we're saying because we, uh, you know, agree with that and we accept that that is the most loving thing that we can do. Like, let's just think about that pragmatically. Your identity is not your sexuality. Right. That's, that's your full identity. And, it, and exactly. so why is that being elevated to the most important thing yeah. is, right. is really what I think we need to temper. So he, can I just quickly say this? Here's the colors just to qualify. I wasn't yeah. making this up. Red symbolizes hardiness and valor. White symbolizes purity and innocence. And blue represents vigilance, perseverance, and justice. Wow. Sorry, yeah. he, he beat you to it, Arun. <laughs> he sent it to me. Ha. <laughs> What is, what is Arun here for again? If, like, what do we need you, Arun, if I can just whip that out? <laughs> Man, we went down a rabbit hole. Well, but, yeah. it's just so funny because <laughs> mid-podcast, you said your revelation is big and you don't have to challenge everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I love how we ended. This yeah, is perfect. That's, that's where we landed. I just I didn't see that before. It was it's crazy. A, yeah, oh, no, so you, yeah, pride flag on the set. Pri- pride flag on the yeah. set. Yeah, I saw this. Um yeah. Interesting. Hey, if you're listening to this and, you know, some of the things that we're talking about towards the end here is challenging. Um, Maybe you haven't heard us talk about this at Vive in the context of a worship experience or a sermon or unpacking the Bible in that setting. And you're hearing this for the first time and it's a challenging conversation. um, Email us. Email us. We know that uh, this is best in conversations, not just a dictation not just a broadcast, absolutely. Um, but we invite that. Absolutely. Email us or direct message your room. Yes, <laughs> through the Instagram. Perfect. That's what he's here for. Yeah. Actually, on that note. What's actually, the email? Um, Katrina. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm Katrina. Yes. Um, podcast. Not, yeah, not a runes email. <laughs> Imagine if she just gives out a runes email. Uh, podcast at hypenetwork.org. Yeah. But on the note, it's actually awesome that um, since we've got this partnership with Pray.com. Yes. Um, the message that will be live on the 18th and then it'll be in on demand after that is actually your message from last conference from 2022. Oh, there you go. I didn't know that. So I'm glad that you said that, Vance, because if you are trying to unpack and find the right biblical articulation of the way God designed us and speaks into identity, Pastor Adam, that message was, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. And that's this Sunday. It's this Sunday on the 18th. So by the time you're listening to this, it's you'll be able to go to pray.com, yep. find Adam Smalcom. They could be the listening profile. to this on pray.com. You could. Yeah. Oh, exactly. There you go. And um, you can actually just find that message. It's called by design, but great message. And that's our, that. that's our stance, yes. right? There's so much beauty in the Bible. Yeah. Yes. There's so much beauty in God's design. Intentional design. Intentional design, the truth of God's word. As you unpack that and, you know, even if this might've been challenging, but a doorway into exploring more yeah. about that. What a great gateway. Yeah. <laughs> what Fantastic. a great gateway. Well, that's a good way to wrap it up. We're talking about slowing things down a little bit. How to, did you, what's the, what's the phrase from F1? Oh, it's a race of breaks. Race of breaks. Yeah. And I think when it comes to whatever we've been talking about, identity, growth of the yeah. church of an organization. Yep. Yeah. That's Grow awesome. slow. Grow slow. <laughs> there you go. What a great title. Awesome. 
This Hype Network podcast is brought to you by Vest Fund, and we recorded this episode at Overflow Studios in Mountain View, California. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a great rating, and you can subscribe wherever you stream your audio content. If you want more information on the Hype Network, you want to get on our email list, or you want to learn more about membership to the network, you can go to hypenetwork.org. 